Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Today, if you pull somebody aside and say, look, 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 what you're doing is wrong. The Word says this. God punished this person for doing what you're doing. Some people will look at that and say, man, you're judging me. Stop judging me, brother. Other people would say, man, thank you. Thank you for holding me accountable. Thank you for calling me on that. How people respond is up to them. Nehemiah is a faithful leader in that he confronts him. And he doesn't confront him with his feelings. He confronts him with God's word, what God's truth says, because that's what they're going to be accountable to ultimately is what did God say? In our walk with Jesus, it's easy to have moments of judgment towards others. Whether it's a non-believer or even someone who loves the Lord, it's easy to fall into the trap of always finding a way to criticize others. In today's message, Pastor Bill wants you to know that you don't need to worry about judging others. There's a distinct difference between holding fellow believers accountable versus criticizing them for the mistakes they make. Be a beacon of God's truth through humility and love for those around you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Nehemiah chapter 13 as he continues his message, Things That Hinder Lasting Change. Nehemiah here is putting things back in order and he, you know, he's, he's very direct, he's, a, he's bold, and he's active, he's an action leader. He's not, he's not having 10 meetings. He didn't say, guys, let's pray about this. Let, let me, come, come, come. He's meeting with them and telling them what they're going to do, and they're going to get it together right now. Verse 13 now. He says, and I appointed as treasurers over the storehouse, Shemaiah, I'm sorry, the priest, and Zadok the scribe, and of the Levites, Padiah, and next to them was Hanan, the son of Zakur, the son of Mataniah, for they were considered faithful, and their task was to distribute to their brethren. And so something that leaders need to do as well is raise up other faithful people. Nehemiah found some men. Obviously, the men that had been doing it weren't faithful. So he found some men that were faithful, and he put them in charge. This reminds me of what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Verses one and two, he told Timothy, you, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He says, Timothy, get a, have an eye for other faithful men who, when you share it with them, they're going to be able to share it with others also. That's an important characteristic for leaders, that we be able to identify faithful people, people that it would be worth sowing it into this person. Something I've learned over the years is if you train an unfaithful person, you know, it's, it's like you pour all this information or this, this training into someone and, and they never materialize. They're, they're never able to take what you poured in and, and make good use of it because you poured it into an unfaithful vessel. It'd be like fixing the interior on a car that the motor don't run right. What good is that going to do you after a while? And so we want to pour into faithful people, people that have just got the characteristic of being faithful. And I, I like to say this to believers, while we can't all be talented and while we don't all have the same gifts, everybody has the potential to be faithful. Faithfulness is a characteristic. It's a character trait. So we can all be faithful to the Lord. Rather we are or not is up to us, but you can be faithful with whatever God has given you, whatever level of talent, level of gifting God has given you, you can be 
faithful. And so Nehemiah raised up other faithful men and he committed them to the task. Now, I titled the chapter Things That Hinder Lasting Change. And so what we've seen so far, what's hindered, how come this commitment that they had made that seemed so solid once you know, we were finished with chapters 10 and 11 and 12. It looked like something really radical had happened. They had got God's word. They were broken. They fasted. They prayed. They repented. They made a new commitment. They signed it. I mean, they looked like they were getting ready to go. And now it's all falling apart. What happened? few things. Uh, one, and I think this might top the list and, and cross over everything that we look at. When Nehemiah left, something happened. People didn't do what while he was there, they did what they knew God wanted. But when he was gone, they didn't. Um, and so there was something missing among this group of people, even the leaders, even Eliashib, the priest. And it's this. It's the fear of the Lord. Some people will serve a man better than they would serve the Lord. Some people are men pleasers. And while men are watching, they'll be faithful. But when men are gone, their true character comes out. They're not they're not as faithful when not when someone's not overseeing them or watching over them. And so the, a lack of the fear of the Lord. And so we could check our own lives. Right. If you look at your life and think, man, when I've messed up, when I've fallen short, when I've when I've walked away, when I've been disobedient to the Lord, one thing across the board is a lack of the fear of the Lord. If you if you fear the Lord, it'll keep you right. Because God, when is God not present? He's always present. And we would just be mindful of that. God is present everywhere all the time. It'll keep you that we would live in that way. God doesn't matter who sees me, but you're seeing me. Doesn't matter who can hear me. Lord, you hear what's going on in my heart, and my mind that we would maintain, that we would continue to live out the presence of the Lord, but also walk in the fear of the Lord. And so I believe that that's overriding all of this. Why have things gone into such disarray? How, how did they let the Levites get back into the field to go to work? They don't fear God. I'm, God, I, I, we're, obviously they did this in front of the Lord. They had the law. Now they were accountable to the word. It wasn't like before where there was some ignorance. Now we know what God wants and we are sinning anyway. We don't fear the Lord. And that's a scary place to be because two things can happen. If you don't walk in the fear of the Lord, God can spank you until you do fear him again. Or you can walk in that state on you. Some, some people will walk with no fear of God until they die and go to hell. And then, and then their fear is, is there's nothing they can do about the fear and terror that they will have then. And so we want to we want to know the Lord. It's not a terror, but there should be a fear, a reverence, a, a, a heart that says, God, I don't want to grieve you after all you've done for me. I want to obey you. And so we want to be mindful of the Lord. So he found faithful men and taxed them now with collecting the tithe and making sure the Levites are taken care of. Now, in verse 14 is the first time Nehemiah says this. Three times in this chapter, he says, remember me. Once in this chapter, he's going to say, Lord, remember them. But this is the first of three times he says, remember me. In verse 14, he says, remember me, oh my God, concerning this. And do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for its services. And this is what Nehemiah is saying. God, I know that things have fallen apart. Just remember me for what I did do. I did my part to set it in order and I, it all went messed up. And he says, remember me. Here's the cool thing. God will remember him. Right. And God will remember you too. whatever service you put forth. Maybe you serve God 
in some capacity and it looks like it's not working. Sometimes when you're pastoring, you're pastoring people, you're teaching the word and you got some people that are taking it in and lives are being changed. And it's like, yes, all that you hope to see. And you could have somebody else in the same church services, listening to the same Bible studies who is running amok, turning up, going the wrong way. And some pastors feel like, man, is it me, Lord? Did I do something wrong? Nehemiah says, nah, Lord, just remember me for what I did do. Right. They, I did what I did. They did what they did. Remember me for what I did. Here's the cool thing, you guys. Every one of us can be concerned with that before the Lord. God, just remember me for what I did. Because when you stand before God, when I stand before God, when we come before the Bema seat of Christ, we'll give an account for what we did, not for how people responded, not for how faithful people were with what we gave them. Just did we do what God equipped us, empowered us and called us to do. That's all that'll matter when we stand before our king one day. And so he says, Lord, remember me for um, all the, the, the work that I've done for your house and for your services. Now in verse 15, continuing on, it says, in those days, I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sheaves and loading donkeys with wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of burdens which they bought, which they bought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, and I warned them about the day on which they were selling provisions. Now, here he's warning, Nehemiah is warning the people. I want you to know right now, this is not an empty warning. Right now, it's a warning in a moment. He's going to put some teeth behind these things, but he says, hey, hey, y'all, it's the Sabbath day. So Nehemiah comes back and, and look, something else is wrong. First, Eliashib has Tobiah living in the temple. Wrong. He's got the tithes have not been taken and it's the storehouse where the tithes have been put to lift this Tobiah to lift. He set that straight. Then he got the Levites out the field and put them back to work. And he, he had people bring the tithe again. He got things set in order there. He, made, he raised up some new leaders. Then he looked and said on the Sabbath day, y'all are buying and selling and loading donkeys and carry all the stuff that the law said they were not to do. The Sabbath was supposed to be a day set apart for the Lord. He came back and he said, I warned him, you know, do y'all know what day it is? It's the Sabbath day, y'all. Y'all, I see your donkey out there. I see the wine press going. I mean, it's the Sabbath day. So he warned them about what they were doing. Then verse 16, men of Tyre dwelt there also who bought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. And so the people of Tyre saw that the children of God were not obeying or honoring the Sabbath. So they were bringing fish and goods and selling them to the people of God on the Sabbath day. Verse 17, I told you guys, Nehemiah was a man of action. So now he takes action. It says, then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said to them, what evil thing is this that you do by which you profane the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers do thus? And did not our God bring all this disaster on us in this city Yet you bring added wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. I want you to notice Nehemiah contends and corrects. He does so with the word of God. Now, another reason why people are hindered from lasting change is that we get away from the word of God. When did revival come? It's when they opened up the word. The law was read to them. Uh, when do people seem to fall away and get stale in their walk with the Lord. Sometimes it's almost consistently patterned. You'll see people whose lives are not consistent with the word. These are many times people who are no longer spending time in the word. I don't want to hear that. 
I don't want to be convicted. I don't want to be challenged. I don't want to hear that anymore. I don't want to read. I don't want to listen. I don't want to go to church anymore. And so they get away from the word and they get away from living like the word. And so here they're doing these things on the Sabbath day. Nehemiah contends with the people and he reminds them. He says, look, the Lord, the reason why we had the whole wall torn down in the first place, the reason why y'all were carried off to to Babel, you guys were carried off in, into captivity was because we did this before and y'all are doing it again. And he reminds them of their history and what the word tells them and, and how God has dealt with them for this same sin in the past. Now, today, if you pull somebody inside and say, look, 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 what you're doing is wrong. The word says this. God punished this person for doing what you're doing. Some people will look at that and say, man, you're judging me. Stop judging me, brother. Other people would say, man, thank you. Thank you for holding me accountable. And thank you for calling me on that. How people respond is up to them. Nehemiah is a faithful leader in that he confronts him. And he doesn't confront him with his feelings. He confronts him with God's word, what God's truth says, because that's what they're going to be accountable to ultimately is what did God say? And so he reminds them and he says, look, you guys are bringing added wrath on yourselves by profaning the Sabbath in this way. Verse 19 says, so it was at the gates of Jerusalem as it began to be dark before the Sabbath that I commanded the gates to be shut. And I charged that they must not be opened until after Sabbath. So Nehemiah came and said, no, I'm changing this. I'm going to put some new leaders on the gates and I'm shutting the gates. They're not going to be open for business on the Sabbath day. Then he says, I posted some of my servants at the gate so that no burdens would be brought in on the Sabbath day. Not that y'all wouldn't be tempted to buy. They're not going to be able to come in on the Sabbath day. Now, the merchants and sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. So, you know, when Nehemiah comes in, he's bringing about reform. He's coming in and saying, look, he's talking to the Israelites and you guys aren't going to do it anymore. I'm going to shut the gates. Well, the, these people from Tyre, these non-believers outside the gate, they're saying, well, hold on. They're, they're showing up for business as usual. And they showed up once or twice, it says. And look at what Nehemiah tells them. Again, I told you he's a man of action. He says, then I warned them and said to them, why do you spend the night around the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. Now, let me tell y'all in the Hebrew, this is not holy laying on of him. Nehemiah is not saying, I'm going to pray for y'all. I'm going to lay holy. He's saying, I'm going to punch you guys. I'm going to beat y'all down. I'm going to lay hands. I'm going to Mike Tyson you guys if I catch you outside on these walls once again. I just kind of like Nehemiah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, man, a guy like a guy like this could be a leader. I feel feel kind of good about it. So, you know, that he threatened him. He said, "Don't be here again, right? I, I, this is serious to me. This is God's law. Y'all are breaking it. You guys are coming in and coming to the people of God with your things. Go away with those things. If not, I'll put my hands on y'all." <laughs> so Nehemiah must not have been a chump, right? They they because look what it says. From that time on, they came no more. On the Sabbath day. I don't know, was Nehemiah swole? Was he yoked up? Did he know? Was, I don't know. But it says that after he told them he would lay hands on them, they didn't come back and they didn't come anymore on the Sabbath day. It was effective what he had done. Now, again, this isn't a man fleshing out, you know, for nothing. He's saying, look, guys, this is God's house. These are God's people and these are God's rules. And you guys aren't taking them seriously. Well, I do take them serious. And Nehemiah came and when he saw these things in disarray, 
He's putting things back in order. Here's another thing with regard to things that hinder lasting change. Sometimes the thing that can hinder lasting change in a person's life is keeping temptation in their face. Nehemiah said, I'm going to help y'all out. Y'all are struggling with this Sabbath day. I'm, I'm going to threaten. I'm going to run off the people that are tempting y'all to buy and sell on the Sabbath. They're going to be gone. I'm going to shut the gate so you can't get out, and I'm going to threaten them so they don't come back. I'm helping you out, right? Sometimes people struggle with lasting change because your heart commits to something. Your flesh is still very weak, and if you leave the door open, if you leave access to your flesh is weak and you're going to fall. We got sometimes when, when God calls us away, we got to get away. There are people that God has maybe called you out of a relationship. You got to be gone. You got to disconnect, drop the number, block the caller. You got to get far away and, until you're strong enough to, to encounter that again. God calls you out of alcohol. You can't be at the bar. You ain't ready for the bar. You can't be there to hang out. You, you need to be getting water somewhere. You need to be away from that environment. And so there are times where we have to be, we got to make that call for ourselves. I don't want to, because I want to be consistent in change. I want to be victorious over, over time. I want to put myself in the best situation. Nehemiah comes in and sees that there's a weakness. And yeah, he puts things in place, but he also removes the ongoing temptation. This, you guys are not going to be here every week tempting people to sin against God on the Sabbath day. I'm going to run them out of here for that reason. Now, moving on, it says in verse 22, Nehemiah says, And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should go and guard the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. So the Levites, now that they've been brought off the field, they, they got to go get cleansed and ceremonially in order to serve once again, and they're going to be guarding the gates. That's the job that he's going to give them to do. The second part of verse 22, and it's the second time Nehemiah says, remember me. He says, remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of your mercy. And I want you to note this, because this is, this is what screams to me in this chapter when I see Nehemiah say, remember me three times. I feel like Nehemiah is saying, God, I'm doing this for you. And I'm sure that there was a part of him whose his heart was broken to see the, he had put so much effort, so much work into getting the walls rebuilt, seeing the people restored and putting things in order and the law being read and organizing all the Levites and the leaders so that people could understand the word of God, that it had to be heartbreaking for him to come back and just see that, man, they didn't take, they're not doing it. And he's just saying, God, remember me, just remember what I did do. Maybe you're a parent and you did your part. You loved your children. You raised them up in the way they should go. You poured in God's word to them and, and then you see them go off. It's heartbreaking. And maybe that would be the cry of some parent. Lord, remember, just remember me. I did do it. I, I did train them up. You know, I like to encourage parents, you know, the, the proverb that said, if you train up a child in the way he should go when he's old, he won't depart. And I call it the boomerang program that, you know, we, 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 we you throw a boomerang out. It, it, it comes back eventually, you know. So if, if you raise them up in the way they should go and then we continue to pray, God, bring them back. Bring, bring whatever it takes, whatever it's going to, whatever it needs to happen in their life, bring them back to you. But we want to be able to say, Lord, remember me. I, I did train them up. I did teach them. I did lay a solid example before them. That's what I hear the cry of Nehemiah's heart. He's, I think he's heartbroken that the people haven't kept God's word. And so he's saying, Lord, just remember me. Remember what I did because I did it for you. 
And so thankfully, even though the people haven't been faithful, God is able to distinguish between Nehemiah's faithfulness and the people's unfaithfulness. And the same is true in your life. If there's some area that you serve and you're not seeing great fruit, God is able to see your faithfulness despite the response of people. If you're a faithful parent, a faithful leader, a faithful witness to a friend, a faithful whatever it is, God's able to distinguish between your faithfulness in service to him and maybe the lack of response from somebody else. He can differentiate between the two. Now, verse 25, it says, I'm sorry, 23. It says, in those days, I also saw Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. And half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah, but spoke according to the language of one or the other people. So if you guys remember, they have been forbidden from intermarrying in this way. The, the people of God were not to marry or give their children in marriage to the pagans around them for this reason. Again, I want to clarify this every time I say it, not because it's no problem with mixing of races. The problem is believers and non-believers coming together. That's always been and it continues to be a problem uh, with the Lord. God says, I want believers to marry believers. And so they were defying that rule, that law. And you have believers, you had, you had the children of God marrying women from Moab and Ammon and Ashdod. These are women that are coming from places that don't worship the true and living God. They don't worship the same God. They don't believe the same things. And so they got kids together and the kids don't even know the language of Judah. They speak the language of Ashdod. Now, this is what happens too. Maybe, maybe you have a mixed marriage. And this can happen if you got a believer and a non-believer and the kids roll with the non-believing parent. You've got a kid. It's your kid that you want. I'm certainly you want them to know the Lord. And you got another parent that says, ah, we don't got to go to church. Ah, I don't necessarily believe that. I don't agree with that stuff. That's a parent. They can pour that into your own kids. It's a difficult situation to raise a kid with one believing parent and a non-believing parent. Whether you're together, some of you guys have children that you're not even with the person anymore. You got a believer and non-believer. It's difficult. Difficult to sow in truth because your child's fallen nature is going to gravitate toward the parent that's not calling them to live up to God's standard. And so they have defied the Lord in this thing. And so Nehemiah is going to contend once again. We've seen that word a few times, but we see it again in verse 25. It says, so I contended with them. I told you he was a man of action. He takes strong action here. It says, I, t- I contended with them and I cursed them. I struck them. I struck some of them. He didn't hit all of them. He just hit some of them. I pulled out their hair and made them swear by God saying, you shall not give your daughters as wives to their sons nor take their daughters for your sons for yourselves. So Nehemiah takes strong action here. He cursed them. He struck some of them. He pulled out their hair and made them swear to God that they would not do this anymore. Now, someone's listening to this saying, is that biblical? Is this okay? Is this all right to do? Evidently, it was all right to do here. I don't know if New Testament churches, I don't recommend. I don't recommend you pastors today doing this thing, but Nehemiah... He did this. He took strong action 
He took strong action against this behavior. We're so glad you decided to spend your time with us here today on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been making his way through the book of Nehemiah. Do you ever feel like every time you step into your calling, life gets really, really hard? Nehemiah knew what it was like. Partway through the work of rebuilding the wall, the people encountered opposition, and it became necessary to defend themselves while they worked. Nehemiah 4.21-23 says, So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, Let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. Nehemiah faced a physical threat to the people, but you and I will face a spiritual one. A spiritual threat requires spiritual weapons like prayer, praise, and worship. Don't forget to keep them at your right hand all the time. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Are you in the area? We'd love for you to come and see us this Sunday. We meet at 9 and 11 a.m. For the rest of the information you need, head over to CalvaryInglewood.org. Once again, that's CalvaryInglewood.org. And if you're not in the area, be sure to catch our live stream this Sunday. Thank you, and we'll see you again on A Transforming Word.